HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Happy Chef Uniforms, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. Visit happychef.com to order your free 2018 catalog. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. This is the 176th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is one of America's most respected and celebrated restaurateurs, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to have high standards. Expect the best and never settle for less. Surround yourself with exceptional people and treat others the way you want to be treated. Success comes from setting the bar high and always working to improve and be better. So reach for the stars. Greatness can't be achieved without putting forth the best effort. That's my tip today. Now, I am thrilled and honored to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Drew Nieporant. He is a legendary restaurateur who is the founder and inspiration behind the Myriad Restaurant Group, which includes Tribeca Grill, Nobu Downtown, Nobu 57, Nobu London, and Batard. Over the last 30 years, Mariette has opened and operated over 39 restaurants around the world. Drew's restaurants have earned numerous accolades from his first restaurant, the groundbreaking Montrachet, which received three stars from the New York Times and kept the rating for 21 years, to Batard, which also earned three stars in the New York Times, as well as in New York Magazine, plus a Michelin star, 
and the James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant in 2015. And there's a lot more in the middle that's happened, and we're going to get into it. So, hello. Welcome, Drew. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Good to have you. Yes. So, I always like to start my show off with finding out how people got into the industry and what you're doing today. And from the little I know about your background, uh, I read that you always knew you wanted to be a restaurateur. Is yeah, that true? I, I think so. Um, you know, I grew up, um, you know, very uh, middle class in New York City, uh, Peter Cooper Village, Stuyvesant Town area. And um, my father, my mother was an actress. And uh, mostly on radio. Oh, wow. I didn't before, know that. Even before television. And my father was an attorney with the State Liquor Authority, which licenses restaurants. So as a young kid, um, you know, my father had a, had a way of getting the application from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile. So uh, for that, um, the restaurateurs were very thankful to him. And, and they used to invite him uh, to bring his family Teated their place, and over the course of a, many years, actually, uh, we ate at all kinds of great New York restaurants in the in the sixties: uh, French, Italian, German, Chinese, and uh, I took to it just immediately. I, I loved it. Uh, I obviously loved the food, but I also loved the theater, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I. I basically decided that it would be something I would want to, uh, you know, do for a living. Right. So you went to Cornell and studied. Well, the Corn- you know, the Cornell thing—it's—it's it's very interesting because um, the I, I was—I I went to high school at Stuyvesant High School, which is a very uh, good high school in, in New York City. My my nephew is currently at Stuyvesant. Oh, very good. Yes. Well, now. Um, there was a one of the mothers basically, and they knew that I was interested in food, and they said, uh, "Oh, so Drew should uh, should apply to the Cornell School of Hotel Administration." And um, you know, my 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 mother came home and she said, "You know, why did you apply to Cornell?" I said, "Mom, it's an Ivy League school. Um, even though uh, you know I'm going to Stuyvesant High School, uh, I think my." My average, my grade point average put me in the bottom 500 of the, of the students there. But I applied and I, and I got in. And uh, I wound up going to Cornell um, in the early 70s. And it was uh, a great experience. I went all four years. and uh, But, you know, it, it, basically you need work experience mm-hmm. uh, to supplement the theoretical. So, um, you know, during the summers and during the... Christmas vacations. I worked uh, on a cruise ship. Um, I worked at Maxwell's Plum, which was one of the great New York restaurants in the 70s. And uh, then when I graduated, I didn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I went back uh, working on the cruise ships again. It took me around the world. And uh, and I was was offered a job uh, eventually. Back at the Tavern on the Green. Oh, actually, the owner of Tavern on the Green was uh, Warner Leroy, who was in the process of opening the Tavern on the Green, reopening the Tavern on the Green. So I graduated in 77 and 1978, went to work at um, uh, Tavern on the Green in the middle of Central Park. Yeah, that had to have been an incredible experience. Yeah, that, you know, the Tavern on the Green, we would 
on a Saturday night, we do somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 covers. Right. Go to sleep <laughs> and come back and do 1,700 brunches. So, it's incredible. Yeah, I see 3,000 people in less than a day. So, yeah, it was amazing proving grounds. You know, like when you're in the restaurant business, you're challenged. Um, if you're managing a large group of people, you're challenged with, uh, you know, can, can you do it? Can you get their respect or do you know enough where you can, uh, you know, when, right. when you give somebody something to do and they, they decide they're going to do it willingly. So, you know, the Tavern on the Green was just a tremendous experience. And so how did you come, probably jumping ahead a little, but how did you come to open Montrachet and start in your own and also down in Tribeca, which was... A different neighborhood than yeah, it is now. Well, you know, New York, um, first of all, my classmates, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate from college? You know, I'm going to open my own restaurant. But uh, being saying, saying that that's what you're going to do and doing it are two different things. So, um, you know, I spent about three and a half years at Tavern on the Green and... Um, uh, I realized, you know, I, I, I just wasn't uh, having the opportunity to, um, I hadn't found the space. I had no money. And mm-hmm. I basically couldn't open my own restaurant. I went to work uh, for a couple of French restaurants, Le Perigord, Le, La Reserve, right. uh, La Grenouille, and... The Las and the Lake. The, the Lake. Lala's, yeah. The Lala's right. And uh, then I, um, I was jogging, and... Uh, this area below Canal Street, you know, very sleepy neighborhood. And uh, I used to wake up, I used to, I used to read the, the, on Sundays, the New York Times business opportunities. And lo and behold, there was a little classified, I mean, not more than a two or three liner that said uh, 1,500 square feet uh, on West Broadway available $1,500 a month. So I was like, oh, well, I can afford $1,500 a month. West Broadway is a big thoroughfare in Soho. But when I took a look at the space, I realized it was on the other side of Canal Street, which is Tribeca. Mm-hmm. And you know, back in the early 80s, that was really, in, you know, was a, there wasn't a lot going on, let's put it that way. Right. But I saw the space, and $1,500 a month, I could afford that. That was $50 a day. And with very little money, actually, I, I, I tried to raise money. I couldn't raise any money, so I basically used my money, uh, partner's money, um, and then um, my mother. And with about $150,000, we opened uh, Montrachet in uh, April of 1985. And with a little-known little chef by the name of David Boulay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and and the, the the amazing thing then was we charged sixteen dollars for dinner. That's one six, and um, seven weeks. It was a very fast, but seven weeks after we opened, we got three stars from the New York Times, and it was the equivalent um, of winning the lottery without uh, being able to collect the cash. I mean, it was an out of body mm-hmm. experience. We could have filled the stadium. I mean, $16. I mean, you know, that's yeah. the price of an entree. Or actually, it's less exp- It's the price of an appetizer today. But you could have three courses. And David Boulay's food was beautiful. And um, 
the name of the restaurant obviously was Morache. It was inspired by the great white burgundy, and you know, so the stars lined up, and it, the restaurant basically lasted about twenty-two years. So, it's a pretty good run. <laughs> Incredible. And then you, 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 you took that, or you, you continued to develop restaurants, very successful restaurants in Tribeca. Right. Like, how did? Tribeca Grill come about? Well, you know, the, the, there was a time when Lower Manhattan was the low rent district. Um, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. But uh, Robert De Niro actually was um, one of our customers. And he would, you know, he'd sit in the back and, you know, just basically uh, very quiet, kept himself. But his girlfriend was a vivacious uh, woman by the name of Tookie. Smith, uh, Willie Smith's sister, the designer Willie Smith okay. of Willie Wear. And one day she goes, Bob wants to know if you'd like to open another restaurant in Tribeca. And I was like, are you talking to me? There's <laughs> nobody else here. No, I mean, I was like, wow, Robert De Niro wants to open a restaurant. And so, um, and I said, well, why don't you show me what you're talking about? And we walked up the block to um, where the Tribeca Grill is today. 28 years, 28 years ago, we opened in 1990, and uh, you know I asked him what his vision was, and you know he mumbled something, you know, <laughs> you know but we put it together um, with the help of Sean Penn, Bill Murray, Lou Diamond Phillips, Ed Harris, Christopher Walken, Harvey Weinstein. This is like a movie. Yeah, but cast. anyway, so it was, mm-hmm. it was like yeah, it was a. Um, and uh, we got a terrific uh, New York Times uh, review. We got two stars in 1990. And uh, it's a pony we've been riding for 28 years. It's so impressive. I, I mean, having worked that I work with many restaurants and just, it's, it's such a tough business. I mean, to have that longevity. Is yeah, it's, it's a really, well, first of all, the, you know, Mont Rocher, of course, I still have. I, it's, right. um, it's 33 years later. Yeah, now it's Batard. And then uh, we even opened in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, there was a time when I had one restaurant, but then we opened Tribeca uh, Grill in 1990. And then in 1994, we uh, we did a project out in the Hamptons. We did uh, East Hampton Point and Della Femina out there, and that, that, was, that was a good experience. And then... Uh, it was off to the races, you know. We 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 did a bunch of things. We uh, we consulted for W hotels, and we did a bunch of Ws over on the United States. And uh, we did a project in Boca Raton. We did um, something in Martha's Vineyard. We did something in Nantucket. We did something in Washington. We, we did a lot of stuff. And a, a little restaurant empire now that's yeah. called Nobu. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah. 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 How could I forget? I don't know. <laughs> For a second, I was like, oh, and then... <laughs> oh, yeah, that little end. thing. Well, you know, Nobu, I think, is probably one of the, you know, like... It, it's, it changed everything. It was a game changer for... Um, certainly for Nobu. Um, we opened in 1994. Um, very humbly, we... The space at 105 Hudson Street, uh, we, ha- we had no front bar. We didn't open with a liquor license. And, uh, I mean, it got three stars, but more importantly, it 
it really changed the way people eat in America. The um, absolutely, you know, it just it was a game changer. Today, there's over there's 38 nobus around the world, and there's nobu hotels, and uh, there's a lot of nobus. <laughs> and th- three of them are well, okay, your partners with now. Yeah, or? I mean, it's it's a long it's, story. Yeah. I, it's it's uh, you know pretty much. Um, uh, Nobu and the two Nobus in New York are unbelievable. Um, and you just you, know, you, they, you relocated to downtown. Well, yeah, no, we currently the first Nobu was opened in 1994, and we ran that for 24 years until we were unceremoniously. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, New York today is um, you know the the rents around New York are incredibly high. Yeah, and we were paying a premium rent, and then I think our lease was going to be up, and they wanted to raise the rent. And we just, I think, my partners had already had a discussion with a different uh, landlord, and they gave us a good deal. And uh, so we have a brand new facility. We just celebrated our first anniversary uh, about a month ago. Wow, that went quick. Yeah, it was very fast, and it's beautiful space. Yeah, it's spectacular. David Rockwell has collaborated uh, with me on uh, quite a number of projects, but mm-hmm. he was the originator of Nobu, the first Nobu. Actually, the first Nobu um, back in 1994 was a game changer for David Rockwell. Right. I mean, it was. Yeah. It really was. So, um, yeah, and he he's done um, this particular uh, Nobu is just spectacular. We're, we have two distinct. Environments, the bar room and the the main dining room, and uh, people love it. Yeah, I was down there. I loved it. I'm due to go back. It's 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 such a beautiful space. Well, really. the, you know, the the most amazing thing is that the chef of Nobu is the same chef. In other words, uh, Ricky Estrelado is um, he originally um, worked as an intern at Morishe. Um, he became the chef in 1994, and he's still still with us. So it says a lot. Yeah, it does say a lot for for consistency, anyway. Yeah, and I we're gonna take a break, but I apologize that I don't think I say the name correctly. Of I say Montrachet. It's not yeah, right. Yeah, you know you can say uh, Montrachet. You can say Montrachet. You can, okay. Yeah, yeah, the French. I yeah. don't speak French. I wish I did. I would say it more beautifully if I did. But um, there you go. on that note, let's take a little break, and we're going to come back and talk more with, with Drew. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Maybe you're looking for a coat for yourself, or you want a bold look for your staff. You might even need a new style for your restaurant, whether it's modern, industrial, or farm-to-table. Whatever you're looking for, Happy Chef has got you covered. Their wide variety of chef apparel and products are perfect for teams of all sizes and styles. And with the industry's easiest custom embroidery, you can add your logo, name, or fun artwork to many of their other products in minutes. Here's what you do. Visit happychef.com and choose from their incredible selection. 
With only a couple clicks, you can customize many of their products to personalize your look. Right now, they're even offering free custom logo setup on all orders over $150, a $95 value totally free. Visit happychef.com now to order your free 2018 catalog featuring new styles and incredible comfort. Happy Chef, the perfect style, whatever your recipe. And we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Drew Nieporant. He's the founder and owner of Myriad Restaurant Group. We just got through talking about pretty much your your restaurant empire. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, the one thing uh, we didn't talk about, I also own a wine store. Oh, yeah. On right. 57th Street between uh, 3rd and Lex called Crush. Um, and we opened that about 10 years ago. And that's doing fantastically. It's crushing it. It's crushing it. But, um, you know, wine in restaurants and wine in America in general, um, back when we opened Montrachet, uh, in restaurants, especially New York restaurants, um, they, American wines never had their place uh, with French wines. They were sort of... Uh, distant cousin and so we had parity when we first opened uh, Morachet and uh, basically Morachet spawned some of the top sommeliers in in the city I think um, to the point where in 1994 we opened Rubicon in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and uh, Larry Stone uh, became our was our sommelier out there he was uh, previous to Rubicon, he was working with Charlie Trotter. I was about to say that because I worked yeah. at Trotter's back in 97, 98. Oh, really? Yeah, That's and fantastic. he was, he was, well, um, I think he he had just left, or, like, I, I knew of him, but I didn't really cross with him. Yeah, he was, he was with us, him. he was yeah. with us back then. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, Rubicon uh, in San Francisco, that was an amazing experience for us. It's the biggest charity I ever gave to, essentially, because you know, <laughs> it's a commun- communist country, <laughs> California. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, That's I, a different show. I, I thought, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be um, you know, like New York, but I didn't realize that the wages, even then, were almost twice as much as they are in New York. And we own the, we own the space, but we sold the uh, building in the middle of uh, the lease, and you know, we made a bad deal, so the rent was pretty crazy. But we were there 14 years. It's a pretty long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you manage your time with all these restaurants and projects and mm. openings? and like? You know, basically every day is different. There's no two days. Um, you know, I, I don't have a set schedule. I come to work at different hours. Uh, you know, right. first of all, I live in I live outside the city, so I have to... You know, make amends for traffic, and you know, just coming in like that is is always a pain in the pain in the butt. But um, there's a lot of things going on now, and I, I I go where I feel I'm most needed. I do a lot of travel as well. I I tend to go to the West Coast on occasion. I go to go to a lot of the festivals. I go to Aspen and um, South Beach and. I'm kind of a you know a perennial at, at some of these events, but um, and then we have our own event in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which 
And o- o- over the over the years, I've invited quite a number of chefs, you know, to partake in mm-hmm. both the uh, the um, you know the, the events that we we ourselves uh, you know create. Right. What's your take on social media and how and the industry today? Because I mean, you've you've been in the game a long time, and that's a whole new aspect. To yeah, I mean, restaurants. It's, it's unbelievable. It's it's you know it's un- incalculable if it was available to us early on. Like you know, like, if, if, <laughs> yeah. if the social imagine? media was available, I, yeah, I can't imagine because. We had this Zagat survey, you know, we had this red book that, you know, mm-hmm. had a paragraph about your restaurant, and that was about it. Um, there were fewer restaurants, but today, because of the social media, you, you're able to see things in different parts of the, the world. I can't even say in different parts of the United States, because it's really the world. Yeah. And, and uh, depending on how you've networked, um, you're seeing things like, in, you know, just in such rapid... There's so much information. Now, as a consumer, it's fa- it's fantastic. You get to see the place. You get to see the menu. You know what the prices are. You know, it, it, in the old days, you basically, you know, you'd be looking in the window, you know, and to see if you could, you know, is this is this going to be a nice place for a special occasion, or uh, can you afford the prices? Or you know, you know, I, I remember when there was something called Epicurean Rendezvous and they had a picture of the um, interior of the restaurant. That was like mind-boggling. You know, you could actually see the place. Um, so, um, oh, it's, it's endless. I mean, you can, yeah. you know, you can use it to market, you can use it to, to do all sorts of things. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely different now. I mean, you can, you can look and see what dishes look like before you order them. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. it's pretty incredible. Well, you know, that's very true. It's actually, I mean, I think it's a rare occasion if the restaurant, doesn't. you know, isn't for you. Then mm-hmm. you know, you'll see something and you say, whoa, 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 whoa the, that doesn't really look that good. Right, you know? right. So you sort of have to be careful, I think. Yeah, true, yeah, true. Yeah. So I have a bunch of questions from you from from my previous guest. Okay. So, because we did a little reschedule. So I'm going to ask you all these questions because they're, they're good questions. Okay. So on episode 173, I had on Eric Bruner Yang. He's a DC-based chef and owner of Foreign National, which includes restaurants Makato, Brothers and Sisters, and Spoken English. So he wants to know, if you had the opportunity to reopen Cortone as it was the first year, would you do it? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean... I don't like to go backwards, so I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to reopen something right. I've already done. But huh. I mean, Cortone was a great experience. You know, people know how difficult Paul D. Brandt is, and uh, they have they have this image that he and I would were like fighting all the time. But the reality was, we were there for six years together. We got two Michelin stars. We got three stars from the New York Times, mm-hmm. and it really worked. Um, and so, the documentary uh, too. And the documentary. Mm-hmm. So it, it really worked. Paul is his own worst enemy, you know. I, I, it's just, you know, it's 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 hard to to explain. And then also, you know, Paul's food is so, um, you know, so styled, mm-hmm. and you know, is that of the moment? You know, basically, you know, things change, and nobody taps you on the shoulder and says, "Oh, by the way, you're not in style anymore." And you know, when you're not in style, you're not in style, and so you you. you 
You have to, you know, food is, it's like, it's like where we are today. You know, we went through a period where the guest was a guinea pig. We tried everything out on them. But they didn't mind it so much because they were learning things themselves. Now the guest is very knowledgeable. And they want what they want. And you sort of have to give them what they want. Um, or they're, they're basically, they gravitate to something that's very straightforward, simple, and good. Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue into Eric's second question, okay. which was he uh-huh. wants to know, for a chicken club sandwich, would you prefer fried chicken, grilled chicken, or deli chicken salad? I, th- I think you call it um, club sandwich. Um, so is it, the choice is a deli, like the chop with mayonnaise, mm-hmm. fried chicken, and what's the... the grilled. Uh, hmm. Let's go with the chicken salad. All right. You know, it's, you know, basically, uh, <laughs> I think that's what it, the, 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 that works for me. Okay. Now I have one question from my guest on episode 175. I had on Nick Lavanos and his two sons, Johnny and Enrico of the Lavanos Restaurant Group. And How old are his sons? They're in their 20s. I didn't get the exact age, but they're, uh. they're both managing uh, Usia, which is their new restaurant over at on 57th at the Via 57 building, which oh, is that cool it. triangle building. Well, i got to check it out. Um, so, restaurateur to restaurateur, he wants to know, what are we going to do if we no longer have the tip credit in the industry? Will you become service included in your pricing? You know, I think Danny Meyer jumped the gun on the, uh, you know, uh, no more tipping. Mm-hmm. But that being said, when the wages go all the way up, something's got to give. And um, because we, we, we can't keep rewarding waiters, you know, like the, 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 the price of the entrees goes up, um, the wages are going to go up. They're going to get uh, the same money that we're paying people in the back of the house, they're going to get in the front of the house. So there's, there's something that we have to do. So we've tried to talk about the surcharge, which is, allows us to add something to the bill in order to spread the wealth mm-hmm. amongst all the employees. But I think um, ultimately uh, the waiter's going to get screwed. I, I just I think that yeah, ultimately there'll be just something where the waiters just don't make the gratuities anymore. So the culture right now is tipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might take a little bit longer, but I think ultimately... Uh, we're all going to have to... See, it, it works when everyone does it. So when Danny Meyer did it. He did it. Some people tried to do it. It didn't work. Right. But if we all do it, uh, it's going to... Uh, obviously, it will work. Okay. I think. <laughs> so stay tuned to see what happens. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's take another break here and we're going to come back and uh, we're going to play my speed round game which is always fun and talk some industry news this is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network hey food radio listeners I'm HRN's executive director Katie and I'm really excited to share that we're launching a brand new show Meat and 3 is HRN's weekly food news roundup tune in for a deep dive and three tasty shorts every Friday evening It's 15 minutes, so you can listen while you wait for your pizza. This week, the fight for universal free lunch in New York City public schools isn't over yet. I'm overburdened. I'm overworked. 
I don't get staffed when people are out. Plus, Dana Cowan, former editor of Food & Wine magazine and host of HRN's Speaking Broadly, catches up with Valerie Lomas, the winner of the Great American Baking Show's Derailed Season 3. Discover how a Danish brewery is motivating people to get fit and hear Alison Roman speak to the highs and lows of her cookie recipe going viral. Every time I see anyone in a social setting, that's generally the first thing they ask me is, how are the cookies? Be better informed and wildly inspired by the stories and people you hear on Meet and 3. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Drew Neeporant. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is is I name a couple things and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? A wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Small plates or large plates? I like large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Neither. <laughs> Just my, really? own t- my own table. Okay. Okay. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, tipping. Beard or no beard? That's a good one. Um, I noticed I it's the back. Yeah, it's back for a number of reasons, but no beard is better. <laughs> Okay. I posted a picture without the beard. I figured it was gone. Now I have to post one with it. There it is. How about being the first at the party or the last to leave? Always the first at the party. You're always the first at the party. I know. Always the first. I'm always impressed that you're always the first. Yeah. Um, Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Oh, Manhattan. No question. (laughs) No question. Oh, where are we? Brooklyn? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well. That was the game. That was so quick. That was a fast one. You got one. the speed. I got the speed. I, I make quick decisions, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's... That's decisive. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, yeah. Probably, I think, has helped with your success and your getting, I ho- I getting so. so much done. I hope so. <laughs> they, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, we, we, had, we had a pretty big decision in one of the restaurants, and I was here for lunch today, and um, they called me up, and... I made my decision. Then they called me back to make me want to change the decision, but I didn't change it. Oh, funny. Yeah. They thought after maybe a little pizza. After I second, I might second guess myself. Okay. So uh, industry news, I just picked out an article that was on Bloomberg by Kate Crater, and the title is, High-End Restaurants Are Turning to Retail to Bring in Additional Cash, saying fancy ice tongs and coftons order up. So she's, you know, speaking to this trend, there's like La Marcerie that just yeah. opened uh, downtown. That's there. It's not only a beautiful space, but you can purchase the beautiful china and even the flowers and everything right. that you are um, seeing and using to enjoy your meal. Right. So what's your what's your what's your take on this? Do you are you any plans to open a restaurant where you can buy uh, things? You know. It, 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 when people hear an idea like that, and it sounds really good, what what I think about is where the hell am I going to put everything? In other words, restaurants we we pay for space, mm-hmm. we never have enough of it, 
And now suddenly we're going to be inventorying, all right. you know, like all these different things. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, I don't understand it. it. It's actually a different business entirely, I think. Um, Italy, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's when that uh, opened on 23rd Street, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to fail so big. Oh, this is going to be a disaster. And they've, they've hit a home run. So it's, it's really, a, it's, uh, it's a different business. And then uh, I'm not turned on by selling, you know, the tabletop. <laughs> that doesn't do anything for me. So that's not, it's not the way I would supplement my income. Let's put it that way. Right. I well, mean, you know, people just steal. You know, they they won't, take, you know. Oh, why should we buy spoon. that when we can steal yeah, it? Yeah, well, they shouldn't do that. But I mean, I've been to La Mercerie, and the, it's everything is beautiful and precious yeah. and expensive too. I right. mean, they 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 tell you what the plates and everything costs. There were a few other things, pe- uh, places in the article she she talked about in San Francisco how Quince is opening a place called Verju. That, that's going to also um, sell items. And in D.C., Mar- Masseri is opening Oficina on the on the wharf. And uh, Jimmy Yu, who had came on, came on my show, is designing that place. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I found, I you know, Kate uh, Crater is terrific. She's yeah. always in the know. It was a very good article. But um, I just, you know, the one... What I, the, when I read it, I was like, "Okay, that's a that's a different business. <laughs> that's not my business." Yeah, no, it's true with the inventory and thinking of of that. And I wonder how much because yeah, it, it, unless it's under lock and key, you know, somebody's going to take it. It's just it's it's crazy to think that way, but unfortunately, that's the restaurant business. Yeah, yeah, no, that that that's sad. And, <laughs> it <but> is sad. <laughs> <laughs> or even I think about I don't know. I've heard stories about that, how things go missing from the bathroom, whether it's the soap yeah, or really. a painting on the wall or right. whatever it is, and that people just yeah. feel they can take things. Yes, they feel so. <laughs> anyways, we'll see if this becomes more of a tr- uh, of a of a thing. Italy certainly the, the, has been super successful in yeah, their I mean, model. But the nicer it is, the 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 more that someone's going to want to nick it. And so I, I, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, it's just you know I, I, we have enough to think about in the restaurant business than to worry about right. you know as our. I mean, is yeah. it available? Um, you know, I just be worried all the time. <laughs> Which isn't good. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So we won't see this from the Marriott Restaurant Mary Group anytime soon. No. All right. And we're going to take one more break, come back and we'll do my solo dining experience, and then we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Great. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Raoul's. Here's the rundown. 
The location, 180 Prince Street, Soho, New York City. The concept, classic bistro dating back to the 1970s with a bustling Parisian atmosphere and serious French menu. The owners, the Alsatian brothers, Serge and Guy Raoul. So why did I go? Because I had been in the neighborhood and I was hungry and I was due for a revisit. I hadn't been there in quite some time. So my experience. I arrived around 7 o'clock and the hostess helped me secure the last seat that was available at the bar. I felt lucky to get it. And then there were three guys who were sitting next to me and they were all having the burger that just came out as soon as I sat down. So I immediately knew what I had to get. I had to get this burger. And the bartender was great, took good care of me. I'd asked him how long he had worked there because I could tell he had been there a long time. And he was said 18 years, which I figured was a very good run. So... As I said, what did I get? I had the burger. It's an au poivre burger with a pepper-crusted patty dressed with watercress, triple cream Saint-André cheese, fries, and has au poivre sauce on the side for dipping. Now, they only make 12 of, of these a night, and you can only get it at the bar. So that's why I had to get it at the bar, and I, apparently I got the last one they had for the night. I also had a club soda to drink. So my take... It was delicious. It was as good as they say, and it was awesome dipping the burger into this sauce. Um, really quite delicious. So the ambiance, it's, it's kind of dark and sexy. It has this bohemian atmosphere. It's comfortable and familiar, um, and they had a great soundtrack. I'd say it's perfect for solo dining at the bar or date night if you dine in one of the dining rooms. Interesting tidbit, the restaurant has always attracted a cool celebrity crowd, and it has a spiral staircase that goes up to the bathrooms, and up there, they have a fortune teller who will do card readings for you, and they've, they've always had that. I remembered it from many years ago, and there was a woman up there. Personal fun fact, so the first time I went to Raul's was, I don't know, when I first moved to New York, like 15, 16 years ago, and I remember I was on a date, and I was in the back back garden area, which is beautiful. Um, and I was impressed that my date had picked the place, but I don't know what happened because I never got a second date out of that. So that's why I had to go back solo. Anyways, the cost was $31, not including tax and gratuity. It's a $27 burger. It's expensive, but I think it's worth it. Would I go back? Yes. The website is Raul's.com. Good one. Good one. You like that? You've been to Rolls lately? I haven't been there in probably 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's been there for many years. It really has. No, it's, I mean, yeah, almost as long as you. Almost as long as me. (laughs) Nobody's as old as I am. No, that's not true. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Jody Eddy. Jody is a cookbook author, a journalist. She's a food conference organizer. She does culinary tours. She's a recipe developer. She's like, she's a whiz. Um, and she's, she's good people. So, Drew, what would you like to ask Jody? Yeah, I'd like to, let's see, what do I want to ask Jody? Um, something. Uh, if, maybe she can create a recipe. Um, for a dish that, um, you know, something for uh, Thanksgiving, 
And that's not turkey. I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Chicken salad? Or are we back to that? Oh, we're back to the three chicken salads. <laughs> Jody, think of something for Thanksgiving that you can serve uh, somebody who hates turkey. Okay. I'm, I bet she's going to come up with a brilliant answer for I'm that. Sure, I'm sure I mean, she she's, done, she's done a lot of cookbooks. She did... Um, she did North with uh, um, uh, Gunnar from uh, who's a restaurant in Iceland now. He is uh, Agern at uh, oh, Grand right. Central. That's one of the books she collaborated on. Oh, she wrote nice. a book on Cuba recently. She's done a lot of a lot of various projects, and it will be interesting to to hear about her career too. But I'm yeah. sure she's going to have a great answer for that. Okay. <laughs> so that was a really lame, but other than that, <laughs> no, it was good. It was very okay. good. So that's the show. Um, oh, I had a great time. Thank you for having me. I I had a great time. Thank you for taking the time to come out here that to was the sh- Brooklyn. That was a short story, by the way, but it's okay. <laughs> no joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my career takes hours, but well, okay. I you know I you did. We could have talked for for we a got few it days. In. We got you it did in. get it in. We it's impressive. It's impressive everything you've done, and I'm just I'm glad to know you and just. Um, thank you for, for coming on my show and, and being a part of my life. Thanks very much. I appreciate so it. So congratulations. I look forward to seeing what's next for you. I know there's going to be something more. Well, you never know. You do never know. <laughs> but um, thank you. And uh, for my listeners, my guest today has been Drew Nieporant. He's the founder and owner of Myriad Restaurant Group. That includes Tribeca Grill, Nobu Downtown, Nobu 57, Nobu London, and Batard. They're all fantastic. You should go to all of them if you haven't already. And he also has Crush Wine and Spirits, where you can get your... Wonderful wine store. Your, your wines in Manhattan. His website's marriadrestaurantgroup.com and, and social media at Marriott Restaurants. And Drew is on Instagram at Drew Neporent. You can find me on all social media channels at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks again to my guest today, Drew. Thanks to my engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.